at making meaning of our life, you think it's going to be one thing and it ends up being something totally different. You think it's going to be one way and then you learn another set of things. And part of the art of living is learning how to make proper meaning of your life. And when you make proper meaning of your life, that will lead you into an experience of life as it ought to be, your truest self. At some point, every person wrestles with the question of why people are here on earth. More specifically, many if not all of us strive to add purpose to our days, not settling for routine and basic existence. In today's message, Pastor Daniel explores why we feel driven to find something and where the greatest meaning for our lives can be found. Here's a hint. It's not in wealth or success or fame, but in a place few people would think to look. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message, The Need for Meaning. So we're here talking about what we're calling the art of living. The art of living is about finding our truest selves. Who are we really? we open the series by looking at what we call the main thing. When they asked Jesus, what was the most important thing? He said that you should love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and you should love your neighbor as yourself. That's the main thing according to Jesus. What we found is that we're supposed to live upwardly, inwardly, and outwardly. We live upwardly by loving God. We live inwardly by loving ourselves, and we live outwardly by loving our neighbors. So we love God, we love ourselves, and we love our neighbor. Last week, I called those three realities, loving God, we called it divinity, our beliefs about who God is, right? Loving ourselves, we called identity. Who are we, and why are we the way we are? Loving ourselves, our identity. And then loving others, we call that mission, why we live the way that we, how we live and move in the world. And we've been learning that each one of us lives in these three directions, upward, inward, and outward, right? So in this series, the, learning the art of living, we need to explore not only this, okay, we live upward, we live inward, and we live outward, but what do those things actually mean? And so today I'm going to begin a section is where we're going to be focusing ourselves on what does it mean to live upward, right? Because however, whatever you believe about God will drive how you see yourself, right? And whatever you believe about God and however you see yourself will actually drive the way you live in the world. What you believe about God or what you don't believe about God will impact what you believe about yourself and don't believe about yourself, which will impact the way you treat other people, whether good, bad, or indifferent. And so, what does it mean to love God? What does it mean to live upwardly? And why is it important? Now, I want to begin with a simple premise, which I think is, it's simple. That every person has a need for meaning. Every single person has a need for meaning. 
When I'm speaking of meaning, I'm talking about how you define your life, what is important and what isn't important. And I don't even need the Bible to explain that to me because all you have to do is read the writings of sociologists or psychologists and they'll tell you over and over and over again that meaning is essential to life. Listen to one. I just pulled this out. It's funny. You do a little Google search on the human need for meaning and you find just tons and tons of writing. I just pulled one. This is off an article from Psychology Today by a man named Bob Edelstein. This was written in 2012. He said this, as human beings, we need to make meaning of our existence. Meaning gives definition to our life and our life path. This search for meaning is often challenging. How do we make sense of who we are? within a world that seems out of balance with poverty, war, and famine on the one hand and tremendous privilege on the other hand. Every single person has to come up with a, what is this life all about? What makes this life life? And each one of us is on the path of trying to figure that out. Let me give you an example. For many people, and many people right here, you spend your life saying, okay, so in order to have meaning in life, and maybe when you're younger, you say, I need to get married, I need to have some kids, and I need to own a house. It's kind of a common theme. Like, this was life. You get married, you have kids, and then you own a house. And you know what happens when you get married, have kids, and own a house? You wonder, why did I get married? Why do I have kids? And why do I own this stupid house? (laughs) Is it true? It's like you get all those things and you're like, okay, so really? See, we're all in the process of trying to make meaning out of our life. And everybody is in the process of trying to figure out what is this life all about and what is important and why am I doing this? And over time and experience, we have all these different experiences and we start to learn as we go that oftentimes our attempts at making meaning of our life, you think it's going to be one thing and it ends up being something totally different. You think it's going to be one way, and then you learn another set of things. And part of the art of living is learning how to make proper meaning of your life. And when you make proper meaning of your life, that will lead you into an experience of life as it ought to be, your truest self. So I ask you, how have you defined what is important about life? You could answer that question simply by saying, this is the driving passions of my life. This is what I spend the most time thinking about, wondering about, doing. That would be the defining principle of your life. What's interesting is for most of us, we never actually ask that question. It's like a fish talking about water. A fish is in water all the time that oftentimes, I mean, I don't know the consciousness of a fish, but I don't imagine that a fish is like, wow, it's a little cold in here today, you know, or oh, H2O is so nice on my fins or something. I mean, I don't know what they think about, but I doubt that they think about that kind of stuff. And I think for us, because whatever it is that you value, whatever you have found meaning in your life with, that is so part of your life that you never really think about it until somebody asks you, what's the driving meaning of your life? What's the most important thing? Why are you the way that you are? What do you value and why? Now, what I'll tell you this, because every single human being, every person has a need for meaning, what you learn next is that the need for meaning always leads to worship. 
The need for meaning always leads to worship. Now, you might be like, okay, so Fusco, I don't know if I buy that. That's a big jump. Now, think about what worship is. Worship, literally, the word comes from worth. Something's of value. So worship. And each one of us, depending on what we value and ascribe worth to, we let that drive our lives. Does that make sense? So worship is not necessarily just coming to church and singing songs. Worship is what you ascribe value to in your life and why you live your life. Whatever it is that you declare is valuable, you're going to live your life going after that. See, whatever your need for meeting, however you satisfy that need, will live to a life that is oriented around this one thing. Like, let me give you another example. We live in a culture that values youthfulness. So there are people, as they get older, they spend all this money and all this energy to look younger. There's a whole industry. You ladies are marketed to relentlessly. You ever notice that there's not an anti-aging cream that's like three bucks? You know why that is, right? Because our culture values you so much that they know that they can get 80 bucks. Now, I never bought it before, but maybe 80 bucks is like really inexpensive anti-aging cream. They know that they can get your money to keep you young. Or there's that example of, you just heard about, there was a young man who died in Southern California. The reason everyone knew him is he spent over $100,000 on plastic surgery to look like Justin Bieber. I mean, that's talk about Bieber fever to the nth degree. Because this young man valued looking like Justin Bieber so much, he spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to actually change the way he looked to look like Justin Bieber. Now, it's easy in the extreme cases to be like, oh, man, well, that's just nuts. I mean, who wants to look like Justin Bieber? But we got to ask ourselves, what does our worship life look like? What is it that the decisions you make shows you what you value? See, worship is the way that you live your life every single day. See, we live in a culture where people, and I'm sure many of you in this room, you are completely in debt. Why? Because everything about your life, you need to show that you got it together. Right? We live in a country that is so materialistic and people are so poor because they want to show everybody that they have it together. And they have all the cars and all the houses and all the bling and all the stuff But really deep down, they're just running paycheck to paycheck. They have no true wealth. They just have the illusion of wealth because our culture values that. Some of that, that's your driving principle. Just the next promotion, just the next thing. See, the need for meaning will always play itself out in worship. A life that declares that this is valuable. This is important. This is what life is all about. Now, what's beautiful about this is This idea that meaning, the need for meaning leading to worship. I actually found this great quote by C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. This quote was made popular by Pastor John Piper. And it's, it's a quote out of the reflections on the Psalms. Listen to what he says. It's a deep quote, so I want you to track with me on it. It's important, though, what he's saying. C.S. Lewis says this. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. 
It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete until it is expressed. It is frustrating to have discovered a new author and not to be able to tell anybody how good he is. To come suddenly at the turn of a road upon some mountain valley of unexpected grandeur and then to have to keep silent because the people with you care for it no more than a tin can in the ditch. To hear a good joke and to find no one to share it with. The Scotch Catechism says that man's cheap end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever, but we shall then know that these are the same thing. Fully to enjoy is to glorify. In commanding us to glorify him, God is inviting us to enjoy him. See what he's saying? It's a deep quote, isn't it? Really what he's saying is that a life of worship, glorifying, casting praise upon, it is the consummation of meaning. Let me give you an example of this. The Seahawks, Seattle Seahawks, were in the Super Bowl, and they lost. So there was this video that came out where there were these guys who they could raise all this money if they didn't make any noise during the Super Bowl. Now, how many of you realize it's really hard to watch a sporting event and not yell at the television? Everybody realizes that, right? Because it's something that matters. It's the Super Bowl. And it was funny because you watch this video and these guys are doing great. And in the last 30 seconds of the Super Bowl, a lot of things went on. There was the miraculous catch. And it was amazing because these guys did great. And then at that miraculous catch, all of a sudden all these guys just started screaming. They made it all the way to the end. But like when that miraculous catch happened on the one yard line, these guys were just like, yeah, it didn't even matter that they lost Tens of thousands of dollars. Because you couldn't watch that moment if you like sports and not react. Not yell, scream. That's just the way it goes. Because what you value needs to come out in your life. It's a driving reality that when you value something, it has to come out. And that's what C.S. Lewis is getting at. And he's saying it's not only just about God, it's about everything. See, if you define yourself by financial success, then you have to push that out into the world. If you define yourself by having the perfect little nuclear family, then you're going to push that out. And that's going to be the tone of what you're going to live your life to make sure that your kids' clothes are perfectly pleated and they have nice little hair and, you know, they look cute. That's why you do that. Because that's what you value. So whatever it is that you make meaning of, that has to be expressed. Now I'm here to tell you, everybody worships. It's just a matter of, is what you worship worthy of your life? That's the question. Everybody worships because everybody ascribes meaning to something and then everybody goes and invests in that and lives it out in the world. And you have to ask yourself, what is it that you worship? Jerry Kern said it this way, the whole person with all of his senses, with both mind and body, needs to be involved in genuine worship. So if the need for meaning always plays itself out in worship, what you find that whatever you worship will be the engine that drives your life. So you got to ask yourself, what is it that I worship? What is it that I find meaning and value that I now orient my entire life around? So we want to look at that. 
Worship is important. Now, in order to look at that today, I want you to open up in your Bibles to Psalm 149. Psalm 149. We're going to take the first five verses. We're going to look at just five verses here. But what you need to realize is that your entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation is about worship. Literally, that's the theme of the entire Bible. Worship. Who God is and how we should live. And what you see is all these people, sometimes they honor God in their worship. Sometimes they worship other things and it goes bad for them. The entire Bible is literally about worship. What does it mean? You don't forget the fact that when God gave the Ten Commandments, what was the very first commandment? You shall have no other gods before me. And then you shouldn't make any images. See, right away God realizes that life is a worship thing. And the problem with humanity is that we have a tendency to take good things and make them the most important thing so that they become a bad thing. Many of us worship good things and you make them bad things. That's why Jesus would say something like, Unless you hate your father, mother, spouse, children, then you're not worthy of me. People say, how could Jesus say that? Because Jesus realizes that for some people, they make their spouse, which is a good thing, an ultimate thing. Or they make their kids. They want to value their kids above God, and thus making their kids into God. They want to value their career and career achievement above God, thus making your career and achievement, although not a bad thing, It's not meant to be an ultimate thing. So we could go anywhere in the Bible and talk about worship, but I wanted to go to Psalm 149 because there's some solid stuff in here, things that we need to look at. So look at what it says. Psalm 149, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the assembly of saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name With the dance, let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and harp. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Now, I'm just going to take these few verses here to see if worship satisfies the need for meaning. And if worship is essential for loving God, living upwardly, what do we learn about it? Notice the first line, praise the Lord. Those three words, praise the Lord, in the Hebrew is literally just one Hebrew word. You know what the Hebrew word is? Hallelujah. How many of you heard the word hallelujah before? Yeah. Hallelujah, it's literally one word, but we translate it as praise the Lord because hallel means praise. Ooh, is the Lord, Yahweh. So it begins with praise the Lord, worship the Lord. And then it says, sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the assembly of saints. So first we learn that we worship together. I think that this is very, very important for the art of living. Because notice it doesn't say, listen, praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song and praise him by yourself. It says praise him in the assembly of the saints. See, this is one of the reasons I believe that even Christianity in the 21st century is such a challenge because right away our culture is individualistic. It's all about you, right? It's my relationship with God and it's my money and it's my lot and it's my this and it's my that. 
But all the way through the Bible, it's never just me. It's always our. Think about what Jesus said. They asked him what the greatest commandment was. He said, hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. When they asked Jesus, teach us to pray. The model prayer is our father, not my father, but our father, because the art of living always involves relationships. And too often we live in a day and age where everyone has become individualistic. It's one of the reasons why America as a nation is struggling so much. Because individual freedom is now more important than the freedom of the entire country and everybody's individual desires is in conflict with one another. And guess what? A house divided against itself cannot what? Stand. You know where we learned that from? Jesus. See, We are designed to worship in community. That's why we say here that Crossroads is a family of faith, fully engaged. See, too many people in the 21st century were just consumers. Like, we go to church like it's the grocery store. We go to the one that's closest to me, that has the right time, you know, all these things. And we're busy going to church rather than being the church. And when you go to church, rather than being the church, you completely miss God's design for your life. I realize that's a challenging statement. They tell you, as a pastor, you shouldn't challenge anybody, because I'll go to a church that isn't challenging. And I think that's the problem. Too many churches want to pander to the lowest common denominator. Listen, you were created to be in community with other people. And you were created to worship God together with other people. Because left up to your own devices, guess what? You're up to your own devices. And it breeds selfishness. And for many of us, the reason we are struggling today is we expect everybody to do everything we want them to do. We think in our own solar system, I am the sun in the center of the solar system, and everything's supposed to revolve around me. This is what I want. This is what I think. And if it's not, you don't do what I want, then well, forget you. I'll take my marbles and go play by myself. But you know what the problem when you think everyone's supposed to pander to you? They think everyone's supposed to pander to them, and it's quite disconcerting. Because all of a sudden, you don't get the things that you want, and they don't get the things that they want because you think it's about you, and they think it's about them. But the Bible says it's not about us, it's about him. See, Jesus is the proper center of the solar system. Because when Jesus is the proper center, we all find our orbit around Jesus. And then Jesus says, look, while you're in orbit around me, I want you to serve that person. And yet, you are being selfish. And you need to stop being selfish. See, we worship God together. We do it in the assembly of the saints. I love what Jesus said. John 4, 24. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit And in truth. I love this. To me, this is a great reality about what worship is. We worship God in spirit and we worship Him in truth. Now, when I think about modern Christianity, contemporary Christianity, this I think really is a great definition of what real Christianity is. But it really shows two kind of sides of the Christian faith one is spirit, kind of the more charismatic approach. Jesus is real. Pastor Daniel today asked us to look at where we find meaning in our lives. He reminded us that the things we view as important in our lives are the things we end up worshiping. He also challenged us to shift our view of importance upward toward our Savior. 
Jesus' Real Family, Pastor Daniel here. Have you heard? I got a brand new book that just came out. It's called Upward, Inward, and Outward, and I want you to get a copy of it. Go to my website, danielfusco.com. Listen, I wrote this book because we want to cultivate a life that is full of the love of God and because of God's love, loving ourselves and then moving into the world, loving everyone. This is what life is all about. I can't wait for you to get a copy. God bless you guys. Don't forget, each and every bit of support we receive here at Jesus Is Real Radio goes to further the cause of Christ and put valuable resources into your hands to help you grow. As Daniel just mentioned, we'd love to offer you a copy of Upward, Inward, Outward, Loving God, loving yourself, and loving people. And this just isn't any normal copy. It's a limited edition signed copy by Pastor Daniel. Check out JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner. That's JesusIsRealRadio.com and then simply click on Partner. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel digs deeper into what worship means and why God deserves it from us. God has given us everything, and if we let ourselves really grasp that reality, we'll want to give Him our praise. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio. 